Howdy do Who fans and welcome to the Big Blue Box Podcast. My name's Gary. My name's Adam. And this is episode 263. One day I shall come back. Yes, I shall come back. Until then, there must be no regrets, no tears, no anxieties. Just go forward in all your beliefs and prove to me that I am not mistaken in mine. Our lives are different too. Anybody else's. That's the exciting thing. Nobody in the universe can do what we're doing. I've reversed the polarity of the neutron flow, so the TARDIS should be free of the force field now. You may be a doctor, but I'm the doctor. The definite article, you might say. The trouble with time travel is, one never seems to find the time. Change, my dear. And it seems on a moment too soon. Unlimited rice pudding, etc., etc. I am the doctor. For now. For this moment, I am the doctor again. The ground beneath our feet is spinning at a thousand miles an hour. And the entire planet is hurtling around the sun at 67,000 miles an hour. And I can feel it. We're falling through space, you and me. People assume that time is a strict progression of cause to effect. But actually, from a non-linear, non-subjective viewpoint, it's more like a big ball of wibbly-wobbly, timey-wimey stuff. I could be a curator. I'd be great at curating. I'd be... The great curator. <laughs> I could retire. Yeah. I'm the doctor. I've lived for over 2,000 years. And not all of them were good. I've made many mistakes. And it's about time that I did something about that. Bit of adrenaline, dash of outrage, and a hint of panic knitted my brain back together. I know exactly who I am. I'm the doctor. Sorting out fair play throughout the universe. Howdy, howdy do again, Who fans, and welcome to the Big Blue Box podcast. I hope you're all keeping safe and keeping well, and that you've all managed to do something Doctor, Doctor Who, Who related. related. Welcome back to another week. It's been a quiet old week, mate, mostly. It has. Yeah. Not much going on in the news for a Doctor Who anyway. There's certainly not much in the way of merchandise. That seems to have slowed right down. It does, yeah. Expectedly. Because we no, normally we would have the odd, you know, Forbidden Planet might put some T-shirts out or there might be, uh, I don't know, just a, a cool thing. Uh, but there's just literally nothing. I think the only thing that we've seen really, which, I don't know, like Eagle Moss have done their little figurines still. Yeah, I still get the odd one. I, the, the, yeah. the latest one is the Nymon, which I'm, I really want to get that figure. <laughs> so, so it's weird. They, they Some of their figures are great. Um, the a bit like Harrop, the human ones tend to be not so much, but the yeah, I want that Nymon figure. I keep seeing pictures of him, but how many Nymons? How many Nymons? <laughs> yeah, I haven't got my hands on that one yet. Yeah, I like the old Nymons. Mm, it makes me feel like watching that story actually. Do you know what? Oh, yeah, I've one. only seen, that's one of the only few sort of classic Who stories I've only seen the one time. Is it for our review? Yeah. I was about to ask you, have we reviewed it? <laughs> I can't remember. We have. Did we review it, did yes. we? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, actually, have we reviewed it? I think we have now you said it. We have, I'm sure oh, we no, have. Oh, no, no, yeah, yeah. I'm sure we have. Yeah. Uh, the Horns of Nymon. How many Nymons? <laughs> uh, what's, what season is that? What series? Oh, uh, it's later on, isn't it? Because it's Roman 2. 
Yeah, so it will be... I always feel bad when I don't know the seasons. It makes me feel like a bad, uh, a, a fake fan. Crikey, you yeah, know? we're fakes, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, we did it. It's Series 17. It came after Nightmare of Eden, which we haven't reviewed yet. Uh, but it, we have reviewed Nine Months. We have, yes. We, yeah. It's sandwiched in between Nightmare of Eden and Sharda. Uh, Sharda! <laughs> back in episode 157. Oh, right, okay. Uh, which would have been 2017. Yes, probably. 2017, thank- 157, The Horns of Nymon. I gave it a five, you gave it a six. <laughs> thank goodness we've got this schedule list because <laughs> we would never remember what we have and haven't reviewed, would we? Oh, God, no. Yeah, I need to back this up, really. Because if this goes... <laughs> <laughs> if this goes... <laughs> we're screwed, yeah. <laughs> oh, crikey. Yeah, so the old Nymon, yeah, and uh, and that's about it, mate. I've, not, I've, I've hunted high and low this morning when I was doing some research for the the news and merch there was a couple of news items which we'll get to but in terms of merch mate it's just it's like the cabinet in forbidden planet london it's just <laughs> desolate and and Covered full of woe the cabinet of woe <laughs> yeah <of> forbidden planet. <laughs> i still haven't got my uh my package from forbidden planet by the way oh what are you waiting for so the i ordered star wars. yeah ordered a couple more star wars figures and a doctor who t-shirt and i ordered that about nine days ago Mm. roughly and on the website it just it just says processing so i got in contact with them they said yeah it's all good i love forbidden planet in in one way they're frustrating because i never have any luck with their with their website (laughs) and ordering stuff i always seem to get like stuck in some kind of loop but on on the other hand i just do love their sort of nonchalant responses sometimes it's just the one i got from them a couple of days ago was just in a nutshell they just said don't worry (laughs) <laughs> they couldn't give me don't worry be happy yeah they couldn't give me any specific details about where my order was or anything like that they couldn't tell me if it was ready to be dispatched or if it's i don't know all they said was just relax <laughs> you'll <laughs> you'll get it when you get it so i was just like oh, okay I'll, uh, what, what t-shirt have you I'll ordered uh, it, uh, uh, i copied you i'm a bit of a copycat is it the ace logo one yeah oh it's a great t-shirt yeah and limited to only 147, Indeed. which is a yeah. strange number. But apparently it's because she was introduced in the 147th story or something. Because I did think that at the time. I was like, why 147? It's a random number. Uh, that yeah. makes sense, yeah. But it's a nice tea, that, mate. Yes. Yeah, it's wicked. Nice one. Yeah, I like the, um, to be honest with you, I got it more for the the um, the 80s era logo on the front. Me too, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, so there are still available. I know there was only 147, but yeah. at the time of this recording, which is 15th of April, there are some some t-shirts still left. Still some t-shirts left. That's terrible English. Uh, so yeah, I'm waiting on that, dude. Um, uh, in terms of Doctor Who, though, how, uh, how have you been and overall are you doing all right in the lockdown still? Have you done anything Doctor who Yes, I'm doing fine in the lockdown, actually. I think the, the weather helps because it's so so unusually sunny in the UK at the minute. For anybody outside the UK listening to this, we don't see the sun that often over here. So when we do, it's like, right, legs out in the garden. Let's let's enjoy this. So I've been loving it. I've been in the garden. I've, I've mowed the lawn. I've been reading books. Uh, I've been loving it. I haven't been going outside the garden just for anyone that, you know, is uh, worrying that I'm going outside of the lockdown. No, I've, I've just been in the garden. I've really been enjoying it. Um, in terms of Doctor Who, though, um, 
I've really just been doing the watch-alongs. I haven't sort of been dipping into a DVD shelf as much as you'd think, really, but I've uh, done a couple of watch-alongs. So last night there was a tweet-along with Stephen Moffat uh, for the episode Heaven Sent. So it was Stephen Moffat, Rachel Tulele, and um, somebody else who I've forgotten. There's nobody else in those. <laughs> I can't remember. I'm sure there was a third, but I was only really checking out uh, Stephen's tweets and a couple of Rachel's. It was Jamie I, I Quarrel, lo- Jamie Reed Quarrel. Who was he? Was he the Vale? The Vale, yeah. I was going to say, because there's nothing else in that episode, is there? So <laughs> who else could it be? Yeah. Uh, unless it was um, Jenna, because I think she's on Twitter. But yeah, that was quite good fun. I, I really enjoy the Moffat on Twitter. I, I mean, he only comes on for these tweet-alongs, and then he, he literally just signed straight out afterwards. It's such a shame, because he, he's so entertaining. Um, he's, he's got a razor-sharp wit, and it, even from his tweets that they come across, he's really funny on Twitter. Yes. Uh, and also he's quite interesting as well because he gives you loads of little insights into the behind the scenes and you know what they had planned that they didn't use and what they changed and so that was really good and it's a it's an interesting episode heaven said i know we've reviewed it so i can talk about it but it's <laughs> it's one that i i don't know about you but i have to be in the mood for it i've never been the biggest fan of it and it's very highly regarded uh, by fans it's um you know considered an absolute classic and i've although i th- can see why because i think peter capaldi is phenomenal in it and i love the fact that doctor gets an episode to himself i love that idea i think the whole concept behind the episode is great but for me i have to be in the right mood for it because after about the f- sort of first 15 minutes it does just keep going round in circles quite literally in a loop and i find myself getting quite bored so i've never been as in love with it as some people, but you know, I can appreciate why people love it. But I think when we reviewed it, I seem to remember you liked it more, you know, more. I seem to remember you, you liked that one. Incorrect. No, we both liked it the same. Did we? The scores don't lie. I've got them right here. <laughs> scores don't lie. Today. This was back in set episode 67 mm. in 2015. Cause we were reviewing them as they went out. That's but, right. Um, yeah. So we both gave it an eight. No way. Did I? Yeah. I'm afraid my opinion has changed. I, yep. I wouldn't rate it that highly. I don't know. Well, I don't know though because it, it looks so beautiful. Oh, I can. T- I don't know. It's it's, I'm, it's one of those episodes. I'm very conflicted because <laughs> there are things about it I love. I think it looks amazing. I think Capelda's amazing. I've got a great concept and stuff. But I just don't find it that enjoyable to watch. If that makes sense. I hmm. yeah. I probably wouldn't rate it an eight if we did it again. Having especially having rewatched it again last night. Um, yeah. I don't know. Well, in a couple of years' time, when we've reviewed every single story of Doctor Who from mm. Hartnell through to whatever series we're on, <laughs> when we do the big reset and we start reviewing them all again for the next <laughs> ten years, we'll uh, we'll put a different score down. I'm sure we'll be deaf. We'll be shouting down the mic, so we won't even realise. We'll be like literally like. Welcome to the big. <laughs> I kid everybody. We would not do that. Mm. Although we do need to revisit some of them. Yeah, I think we do. It does help to revisit. Um, the you know our good friends the Hill Addicts they watched um Into the Dalek the other week, and I know Liv in particular was like, oh, you know, I did. I was, oh, I really don't want to watch that episode again. I hated it, and, and I was, I said to her at the time. I don't think that one is as bad as you're remembering. I actually think it's a fairly decent episode. Give it another chance. And she blimmin loved it when they did it the other night. She couldn't believe it herself. She was like, oh, I hated this when it went, when it first went out. 
And she goes, I really enjoyed that. I was engaged all the way through. And I, I said, it's just amazing how, I don't know if you're just in the right mood or something clicks with you within the episode. It's just amazing how your opinion can change. And I love it when that happens. I really do. I love it when, yeah. you know, when, yeah. I particularly like it when you think you don't like an episode and you put it on and you think, oh, actually, I'm really enjoying this. <laughs> what was that Hartnell one I watched recently that when we reviewed it, I said was, I gave it a low score and I watched it the other night and I really enjoyed it. Was it the Romans? The Romans, yeah. Yeah, yep. it's funny, isn't it? I just, I guess it depends what mood you're in, really. Yeah, we just need to get Liv on the TV movie now. Oh, I, I do. I do want to convert Liv <laughs> on the TV movie. I really do because I think there's a lot in there to enjoy, but she really doesn't like that one. But she has only watched it once. so Exactly, yeah. I think a rewatch mm. at some point. Yeah, might just do it. Maybe one of these watch-alongs. If we can, if they can do one with <clears throat> with McGann and Eric Roberts, that would be cool. Oh, that'd be amazing. Mm. So, did you did you manage to tune into the watch-along at all? Because um, what was the other one they did? They did um, Doctor's Wife, didn't they, with Doctor's Neil Gaiman the other night, which yes. uh, was good. Uh, yeah, I have been doing them. Yeah, so I haven't. Um, I haven't been very interactive with these. I haven't tweeted along Me. as I've watched it. But, no, me either. I've just been reading the tweets. I haven't yeah, sort of been tweeting yeah. out. Yeah. Yeah, but it's been very fun to watch though. Um, so the Doctor's Wife on that was pretty cool. Mm. Uh, Neil Gaiman, he was uh, he's an interesting chap. Uh, yes. But the um, the Heaven Sent one was very cool though. The Moth's just such a dude on on Twitter, and he's very. I funny. do love him. Yeah. Uh, and the next one, the next uh, tweet along is going to be a really. I'm really looking forward to this one. So this Sunday, this Sunday at seven p.m. We have Stolen Earth and Journey's End mm. with Russell T. Davis and Graham Harper. That's going to be a belter. Yes. Cannot wait for that one. And the hashtag for that one is just so awesomely named the Subwave Network. <laughs> Brilliant. No, the, so just hashtag Subwave Network. That's going to be so cool. So this is one of our... Have we reviewed these ones before I gush over these? Don't think we have. Oh no! So careful. But well, you're looking to see if we have because we probably have now. No, we so haven't. We haven't. So I need to haven't. keep them right. Oh. Okay. Right. Because I think Russell's teasing a couple of big surprises as well. So could David be jumping on board? Do you think? Or oh, dude, I, what's he got planned? Because they do do these little <laughs> treats, and we're going to come to one of these later in the new section, but. They do do these little treats sometimes to go along with them, didn't they? So um, what was that brilliant thing that Russell did when he did Rose? He released like this sort of chapter to a book that he'd written back in the day. Oh, it was a little sequel, wasn't it? little sequel, yeah, yeah, yeah. which was amazing. Um, and the Moffat filmed this thing with Strax, didn't he, which was really funny. That was cool. Like a Strax yeah. toy, that was hilarious. And so they do do these little treats, and I don't know what Russell's got up his sleeve for this one. but Yeah, so Russell said in his tweet yesterday or last night said this sunday in capital letters so very important he says the big one the all-time epic tweeted by me graham harper and others little thinking Mm. emoji face with Mm. extra surprises released on the day one of which is brand new and the best thing i have ever made truly it all happens on sunday so i think this sunday mate is going to be the best one i've just got a feeling it's going to be an epic just the one, the best one so far. I've just got a feeling that I mean, he uh, he's you know he's bigged it up there. That mm-hmm. he's got a bit, he's <laughs> he does sound excited just from the the wording in that tweet, doesn't he? He obviously can't wait. Yeah, that I got, I'm really looking forward to it. So it starts at what seven? Seven p.m. Sunday. Yep. Brilliant, brilliant. So, I shall be there. Oh, it's going to be awesome. Yeah. Mm. Uh, 
so that's what you've been up to anything yeah. yeah uh same <laughs> for me mate. i haven't really dived into anything um doctor who i have watched a couple of sarah jane adventures all right um so because we've been because we've been obviously loving um sarah jane i went back and watched a couple of the first ones because i had the the dvd box set out anyway so i thought let me go back and watch a couple of the early ones so i went back and watched the first one which was invasion of the bane i think it's called yes yeah. um and just right from the get-go mate it's just such a wonderful feeling i know you are not people are probably bored of us saying this but the sarah jane adventures really is one of the best things to come out of the russell era of it's his wonderful. sort of, yeah, yeah, his kind of additional spin-off creation. So Sarah Jane and Torchwood. But Sarah Jane is just one of the best. There's just something about the feeling of this show. Mm. Something about, it just all the stars align, it seems. Yeah. For the most part, with, with these episodes and these stories. Like the scripts are always, it, it's just such a lovely balance between aiming it at adults and kids at first mm. glance on this. And this is what we say to a lot of people who have never watched Sarah Jane on the surface. It really seems like it's just a little kid's show that went out on CBBC and it's not worth anyone's time. If you're above, if you're over, you know, 15 years old or whatever it is, mm. but there's, that's such a massive, um, uh, <clears throat> sort of invisible cloak over the show really. So if anyone's not seen it yet, and you're following along with our reviews and whatnot. It honestly is one of it. Just feel, every show feels just like the script is is bang on for most of them, and the uh, it didn't have a lot of money. It had less money than Doctor Who at the time, mm. but the the episodes are well put together. It's always well directed. It feels like Doctor Who. It really feels like that world of Russell T Davis and stuff. And yeah, and as soon as I watched Invasion of the Bane afterwards, I just thought oh, I'm. It's so great that that show was made and was around. Because I absolutely you, concur, yeah. mate. It, yeah. it, I was going to say, you talk about the budget. It, it surprises me how good some of the effects are, actually, considering the budget and considering the age of the show already. Um, it, it does stand up incredibly well on, on all levels, doesn't it? it does. like, I mean, I'm yeah. not saying the effects are amazing. You're not going to sit there and say, wow, look at that. But in terms of the budget that the, the series had and, and and the time it was made, it does still look really good to this day. So I absolutely agree with you. Has it been added to BritBox or iPlayer yet? Because I did see, I think it was the Radio Times, I think it was, were tweeting out saying, come on, get this on. And I thought, good for you. Yes, let's get the let's get Sarah Jane on. Uh, well, I guess BritBox would be the most popular at the minute, would it? Or iPlayer, either or both. Yeah, it's probably if it's going to go anywhere, it's probably iPlayer along with Torchwood at the moment. Yeah, here in the UK anyway. Uh, but for BritBox, that's more classic years. So I know that on BritBox they do have K9 and Company. Do they? Yeah, <laughs> that's on BritBox. But in terms of the Sarah Jane Adventures, that's um. Yeah, that's going to be an iPlayer thing. There must be some kind of... There's always a problem with... I say a problem. There's always something around licensing and broadcasting rights and all that stuff with, with this these things. Um, so I imagine it's tied up somewhere. It, it must be being... There must be a contract that needs signing somewhere or some kind of thing because it's not being put out on any terrestrial channels at the moment. It's not going out on Sky mm-hmm. and it's not available on like you said, BritBox or any of those other things. So it's just laying there, just ripe, ready to be slammed into iPlayer 
for everybody to enjoy, really. So if they can get it on there, that would be awesome because you'd have all of current Doctor Who, Torchwood and Sarah Jane on iPlayer, and then you'd have all of Classic Who over on BritBox. You wouldn't have to get up off the sofa, mate. <laughs> I don't anyway. Terrible. <laughs> I'm just looking to see because it's... It, if you wanted to buy it, um, sort of the rough price is around about £35 on uh, like places like Amazon and stuff. So you could, I don't know, you might be able to get it cheaper on eBay or something. But um, it would be lovely if it was on, like you said, the iPlayer. And I mean, you know, a lot of TV shows have been halted in their production at the moment due to the virus. So there's a lot of gaps in the TV schedule coming up quite soon. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, imagine if they, even if they put it on like BBC Two, four o'clock every day in the week you know what i mean just put it on the tv and get in because if you're flicking through the channels and you might just you know people might just flick through and catch a bit of it and think oh well, what's this you know i think it would be great if this is you know yeah. shown again on tv yeah no region yeah, uh, but yeah actually, get it on the iplay yeah, yeah talking of radio times they did a full-on article about it did they oh yeah. okay uh, this was on the 8th of april actually a few days ago i'll put a link to this in the show notes and ah. the title is Vote to Get Sarah Jane Adventures Back on BBC iPlayer. And they say that now's the perfect time to revisit 13 Bannerman Road. It is. So that'd be good. Uh, so I'll link to this. Where do we want to warp your way to... Uh, hold on. Uh, right, so there's a there's a poll that they've got on there on this webpage at the moment. It says, yes, I want it back on iPlayer, or no, I've got plenty of TV to watch. Why would you vote no? Exactly. Crikey, crikey. Why? Why would you do that? And then it encourages you to once you've voted to then use the hashtag bring back SJA on Twitter. So let's get this happening, dude. Let's get behind mm-hmm. this and, and get it happening. But yeah, so once I watched um uh the uh, Invasion of the Bane, uh, I then went on and watched um The Temptation of Sarah Jane Smith, which is just a beautiful oh, Yes, that is such a good one. Yeah. 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 So I just went through and picked out a couple of like really really great and they're all great but some ones that we've really loved over the past year of reviewing that so um, yeah it was nice to dip into some sja stories um yeah that's all i've been up to mate really we're, we're getting near so this is the one we're reviewing today is the penultimate isn't it so there's one story left before we finish series three yes um and i don't think we've given any of them a bad score yet. I mean, there have been some that we felt were strong, stronger episodes, but we haven't, there's not been any episode or any story yet, has there, where we've been like, you know, that just didn't work or they didn't get the tone right this week or the cast weren't very good this week. I don't think we've had any episode yet that we haven't like enjoyed on some sort of level. Uh, they've all been like really, really good scores, I think. I think so, yeah. I mean, I we think, haven't had a bad one, have we? I don't, I don't think. think so. I think the the lowest score that we gave it, if memory serves, mm. was Secrets of the Stars, and I think we gave that a roughly a seven ish. Yeah, a six point five and a seven point five. Was that the Russ Abbott one? Yeah, and, and yet I, in my head, I think yeah, I remember really enjoying that as well. Yeah. So, cool. in terms of that's the lowest score. That's just like a yardstick for all the other ones that we've done. All the others have been like eights and sevens and eights, and we've had a couple of nines as well. So it's been great, dude. The old so SJ. Yeah, yeah. It has. As I said, it's, it feels like so we're coming to the end of series three, then we've got series four, and then there's a sort of half a series, isn't there? Because sadly, Elizabeth died, um, but they, they put out the ones that they'd finished 
I think it's sort of three. completed the episode. Yeah, yeah. So it's I'm sort of dreading when we get to series five because I know we'll be coming to near the end. Um, but it's definitely it's a series that you can just go back and watch again and again. I agree with you. I could I could put any episode on that we've watched so far, literally any of them, and just quite happily sit there and watch it. Like the absolute opposite to sort of heaven sent. I don't have to be in the right mood for any of these. They just I could put any of them on. Yeah. and enjoy them i and really could yeah that's the cool thing about adam and i's journey with the sarah jane stuff is that this is all new to us every episode because yeah. adam and i had watched the odd one here and there but there was that's literally it um and i know for me from i think it was about four episodes back from that point onwards i haven't seen any of them now so it's great to go through this fresh and experience it brand new as we're reviewing them so that's cool as well and you guys can do the same thing like i said I will bang about. I will bang on about this forever. If you've not watched Sarah Jane Adventures yet, go and watch them. They are some of the best, not only some of the best Doctor Who world spin-off stuff you can watch, but some of Russell's best writing because he really had to strike that balance between kid-friendly and adult stuff. But he absolutely just nails the whole concept and all the writers that he brought on. You know, it's just wonderful, wonderful stuff. Have you seen the, because I think the only episode that I've seen that's coming up, and it is the only story that I've seen, is the 11th Doctor one with Katie Manning. I don't think you've seen that, have you? I've not seen, no, I've not seen any that's from That's the now. only one coming up that I've seen. Um, I'm guessing it's in the next series. Um, series four, I think, yeah. Series four, and I've only seen it once. Um, obviously, I'm not going to say what I thought about it until we review it, but that is the only one that I've seen, and I've only seen it the once, so I'm... Um, looking forward to when we get to that one as well oh cool. yeah that because yes, matt yeah. smith and katie manning i mean gosh you know <laughs> i think the brig oh no the brig was in it wasn't he the he's brig already was been in it, it. it was yeah. ace i think ace was due to make an appearance in series five or maybe the f- next series i can't remember that would have been amazing oh mate do you know what there's also i think you and i talked about this or did we talk about it on our live stream i think we spoke about it on our live stream mm. The idea of Sophie Eldred coming back to bring the Attic crew back together. Mm. Oh, dude. Oh, it would be amazing. It would be amazing. In fact, if things were sort of, if because that's the thing, the stars haven't really aligned at this time. But if you can sort of imagine, you know, if you could imagine an A spin-off running alongside like Doctor Who, the, you know, with the 13th Doctor, they do seem like a, a sort of a really good pairing but the stars haven't aligned because we're getting these big gaps between each series and let's face it the viewing figures aren't sort of up where they used to be so that you know a spin-off getting commissioned due to that probably isn't really like but let's just say that you know if we were sort of in an alternative universe where Doctor Who's still right in there in the um you know uh you know with doing well and you know like i said it would the two together would go so well wouldn't they, they Doctor would, Who yeah. and the ace adventures it'd be amazing but as i said we're sort of in a different time now and things it's just natural things happen but yeah it's it nice amazing, to think though. that they you know that would work so well conversely it would also work well with these big big gaps if you imagine that the moment mm-hmm. over the past couple of years we've had roughly a whole year's gap between the series what a wonderful way to fill in that gap so six months after series 12 had finished imagine the ace adventures that would fill oh, in that yeah. gap lovely and then you've only got another couple of months wait until series 13 it would have been awesome 
The really Ace good. Adventures has really got a ring to it as well, hasn't it? Yeah, come on. Oh, come on. <laughs> there must be some dudes at the BBC. There, there could be three things running. There could be the main show. There could be the Ace Adventures. And then there could be, actually, yeah, it's, if you don't want to mix and match Ace with the Sarah Jane stuff, you could just, oh, no, he's dead. I was going to say you could have Clive. Maybe he was like, maybe he survived somehow. Maybe there's like an opening scene where he's lying on the floor in the shopping mall, but and he's been shot by the Autons. But there's like a paramedic comes up and his hand twitches a little bit and he's not actually dead. And they bring him back and then, yeah, he's like, and then he, he, he him and his family they want to move house because of the tragedy, and they find this lovely old house on Bannerman Road up for sale, mm. and he they move in and he goes, oh, it's all there. Come on. We need to speak to somebody at the BBC immediately. And I know that Mark Benson's really up for I, so, you know, He tweeted, didn't he, during the Rose Watch Along, that he'd love to come back. And then Russell said, no, you can't. You you had your head blown off, you know, <laughs> in typical sort of Russell style. But, you know, it's Doctor Who. You can do anything. You can do anything, mate. Anything yeah. you want. And we didn't actually see him, his head actually get blown off. No, it's just Russell saying that's what happened. Yeah, we just saw an Auton fire something out of its hand. He could have just had a flesh wound could have just shot him in the shoulder or something exactly plus he's in the big finish stuff which um i haven't listened to but he's obviously back somehow unless it's before i don't know don't know where the big finish ties in we're gonna have to barrowman this we're gonna have to set up some meetings at the bbc <laughs> yeah and just say look you guys are missing this here come on missing a trick yeah. definitely right yeah. uh, <laughs> before we waffle anymore that's what we've been up to I hope you guys have done something along the lines. I hope you've watched something, Doctor Who, or listened to the Big Finish or whatever. But before we crack on with the rest of the show, remember to subscribe on whatever podcast app that you listen to your podcast on. Just give us a sub. That way you don't miss a show when they land every single Friday morning. And if you've got a minute to relieve, uh, to relieve, to leave <laughs> a review on a rating, that'd also be cool because that helps out loads and loads. Also head over to the website, Big Blue Box Podcast at Codic UK. You can check out all of our articles that our writing team put out. In the last week or two, we've had a review uh, for the Torchwood Tropical Beach Sounds and Other Relaxing Seascapes number four, which is a very interesting um, uh, story from Big Finish. We've got a review there. We've got the um, reviews for Captain Jack volume three. We've got uh, Big Finish Subterfuge as well. We've also got our lockdown top five stories to watch there. Plus, we've got some other editorial pieces from our writers. For example, Jordan Shortman has done his sort of ideal dream um, Doctor Who series pitches. So he's imagining himself going into the BBC and pitching a, an episode, uh, a series of Doctor Who. And he's run down all the characters that he wants in there. He's given every episode a title, all the storylines, and he's now up to series three. And these are really, really good interesting reads so head over to big blue box podcast at cadet uk you'll find them all on there and we're on the socials too instagram twitter and facebook as well as adam just do a search for the geek's handbag on youtube and the socials absolutely 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 <laughs> right let's do a couple of these news bits dude yes okie dokie So one of the cool things that has come out of the this lockdown period with Doctor Who, as we've said, are these watch-alongs and the tweet-alongs and so on. And one of the cool things that 
um, I think not necessarily went under the radar, but I haven't heard many people talking about is this really cool story, little tiny little two and a half minute story that went out on YouTube um, just before, I think it was just before, just after when we did the watch along of the doctor's wife and it stars Arthur Darville coming back as Rory. And it's a really, you would think like, oh, this is insignificant. It's just a little two minute or two and a half minute um, story. And all it is, is just Arthur Darville sat in front of a phone or a camera. And it's a little script that was, I think it was written by Russ. I think Russell wrote this. Oh, no, sorry, Neil Gaiman, sorry. Neil Gaiman wrote this little, this little, um, uh, little story, little script. And it's got little uh, music cues as well. It's got a proper little instrumental music as we get to the end of the video. And then we've got this awesome little just five-second cameo from <laughs> um, from Karen Gillan as well, right at the very end. And uh, it's just uh, you hadn't seen it before we recorded, mate, and you watched it before. And uh, I know. Uh, like yeah. you said, it did go a bit under the radar because I, I was um, doing the Doctor's Wife tweet along. I was sort of reading the tweets and stuff and – um, and I saw this pop up in my feed. I saw the picture of, of Arthur Darville, um, you know, and I, I don't know. I just didn't sort of click on it at the time. I remember thinking, oh, what's that then? And uh, yeah, and I only watched it this morning when when you put it in the news bit. And it is such a nice little heartwarming two-minute um, clip. Um, so if you haven't seen this, go and watch it. It's, it's wonderful. It's just Rory sort of um, basically talking to camera and he's talking to, um, what's the kid's name? Uh Oh, I've only watched it once and he's talking to a kid at yes. the other end of the screen saying, I'm going to yep. introduce you to your new mum and all this sort of stuff. And it's just, yeah, it's just really heartfelt considering it's only two minutes long. It's amazing now because um, when I, I finished watching it, I was watching it in front of you, wasn't I? Because I hadn't seen it. And I said, sort of said, oh, that was lovely. It really sort of, you know, it's got such a nice glow to it. Um, and I think the music by Blair Mowick, because it's actually, although it's Blair Mowick, not Murray Gold, he's playing Murray's um, music. So he's done the theme. So it's um it just yeah it's just really nice little clip so what a lovely treat yeah it's lovely and uh, like you I had I I'd seen a few uh, tweets about it and stuff but I didn't watch it until uh, until this morning but it's just a really cool little um thing and yeah he's doing like a diary a, a video diary and I think at this point when he's recording this it's back in the Second World War I think it's in the 1940s I think and he makes a little joke about. You know, this is the only smartphone in the world at the moment. And uh, and he just recounts all the times that he had gone through stuff. So I, I've, I've really forgotten the name of the of their child because uh, I'm so out of the loop with the whole Rory and Amy storyline stuff. Me too. Just bit, haven't, to honest, yeah, yeah, just haven't watched all of that stuff in so long. Anyway, he's doing a video diary and it's really nice. And then he go he recounts all the things like um, I was, you know, I, I, I died and you know, a pirate killed me and your mum had to give me CPR and I was a centurion waiting for your mum for 2000 years, 2000 years. And then I didn't exist for a while. And he, he just recounts all the cool things, all the interactions that he's gone through with him and Amy. And then at the end, like she screams at him, like, come and help me paint the baby's room. And, <laughs> That's it, you know, yeah. and he's like a, obedient little Rory. He's like, you know, he jumps up and does it and stuff. And uh, yeah. So anyone that's not seen it, I'll link to this in the show notes. It's just a lovely little, um, it's just a lovely little thing, basically, that just adds a tiny little extra bit of, of, of additional story to that whole era with Amy and Rory. Which, to be honest with you, was a, was a great. I know we had some ups and downs with their storyline in the Moffat era, but for the most part, you know, they were very, very cool companions. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think they've. Um, I think, like you said, that's that's sort of aged be- better in time. I think their storyline a bit at the time because I think at the time it was all a bit all over the place, wasn't it? But when you can go back and watch it from start to finish, uh, it, it works better than I think it did. Sort of watching it every week, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Once it's complete. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's a really nice clip. Go go and check it out if you haven't watched it already. Yeah. Um, on to some sad news, I'm afraid. Uh, Pip Baker has passed away at the age of 91. Uh, Pip was the other writing half of Jane. So Pip and Jane Baker, who, who were a real tour de force of British writing talent, um, and especially on Doctor Who, they created the character of the Rani, uh, played by Kate O'Mara. Um, they wrote quite a few episodes of Doctor Who during the late 80s. So they did a lot from Collins' era, so Mark of the Rani, Terror of the Vervoids. Um, they were also thrown right in the deep end to write the final part of Trial of the Time Lord. I think I can't remember it, how long they were given to do it. It was something three ridiculous. Days. Three yeah. days. Yeah. Well, two yeah. days to write it and then a day to type it all up properly. Yeah. Amazing. And like literally, they I don't think they could even knew what happened before in the story. I can't, there, there is a really good behind the scenes story about this whole thing and it's all on the dvd if you want to learn about it but yeah they were basically thrown right in the deep end and said right we can't tell you anything that's happened before just write a final because we need you know we need it in two days and they did it um so and then obviously they came back and um kicked off sylvester mccoy zero with time and the rani a lot of people don't like it i have always loved that story anybody who knows me knows that i love time and the rani i when i was a kid um I'd struggled with Colin's ear of Doctor Who. I just found it a bit bland and quite violent. I was quite young, obviously, bear in mind. So when Time of the Rani burst onto a screen, it was full of fun, full of cover, campus Christmas. I loved it. So <laughs> I've always had a sort of, uh, you know, affection towards Pip and Jane because of that, really. But um, it's very sad. Pip, uh, sorry, Jane passed away in 2014, I think. So she passed away a couple of years ago. Um, but they, I don't know that when you watch interviews with Pip and Jane, they are just like this. They, they sit, they come across as real characters. I, I mean, I never met them, but you just get a warm feeling about them and you get the feeling that Jane is the sort of stronger. She's quite sort of straight laced, you know, she speaks of <laughs> mind. Whereas Pip's very quiet and gentle, you know, Jane sort of, it seems like she wore the trousers, let's put it that way. But they come across as a really sweet couple. And I love the fact that they were a writing team. Um, just, I don't know, they, they feel to me, whenever I watch an interview with them, they feel to me like the sort of an aunt and uncle that, I, you know, like a long distance aunt and uncle that you'd go and meet. And so I don't know, there's something about them that I've always just really liked. Um, so it's very sad that Pip's passed away. I mean, 91, great age. You know, and um, I think, as I said, I know people will, you know, say, well, yeah, but their stories are terrible or whatever. You know, they're not for everybody, um, their stories. But I think considering the timescale they were given to do things, and I think some of the things they came up with, like the Rani and things like that, I think, uh, you know, they, they did some great stuff. Don't don't sort of um, underestimate them. I think they did some fantastic work. Yeah, no, I completely agree, mate. And they were up against it a lot of the times. I think there was yeah. a lot of um, behind the scenes. There was a lot of trouble in in the writing side of things with Eric Sayward just being, oh, yeah. you know, just having the right hump and withholding scripts and stuff. So basically, John Nathan Turner just said, "Look, I need you guys to pull me out of a hole." <laughs> you know, my my script editor has got the hump and has buggered off, and I'm left with this big gaping hole. I need to finish. I need to finish the series and stuff. Um, what can you do? And they 
they jumped in and did all that stuff. So, and like you said, their stories are not for everybody, but you know, they're not, they're, they're an acquired taste. I would say their writing style. It's very, um, uh, I think the best way to describe their stories is you have to be in a bit of a mood for it because they do (laughs) have a very, um, they do have a very, uh, kind of the, the the Pip and Jane Baker stories do have a certain feeling and vibe about them. Mm. And you do, you really have to sort of be in the mood for them. But having said that, uh, a lot of admiration for those guys, because I think they had a bit of a ruck ongoing as well with somebody who was involved in the show just for years. They they always had a, a, a bit of a ruck with somebody, um, behind the scenes you know so th- there was there was just things that they were they were up against a lot you know and uh so but i always i always thought they wrote colin very well although i'm not a particular big fan of colin's era in terms of some of the stories i love colin as the doctor but i always thought they wrote him very well and um and they always seem even if you don't so even if the stories don't always work for people i think they they, they had a lot of imagination pip yeah. and jane like they had a lot of ideas brimming under the stories if you know what i mean so even if the story didn't exactly hold together that way it was always full of interesting ideas i think that's what what i like about them but if you're talking about ruckus i think are you thinking about because there's a couple of interviews and i i must admit i i get quite cross watching them the most famous one is is when chris chibnall was a young chap is having a go at them on the talk show, isn't he? That's one of them. Saying, yeah. Yeah. We're saying, oh, you know, your stories are boring and bland and all that. And I, it, it makes my blood boil, to be honest. I just think it's so easy to sit back and criticise someone. Yeah. But get up and do it yourself. And uh, and that's what Chris has done. And now maybe he appreciates a little bit more how difficult it is. It's, it's all too easy to sit back and tell someone to their face, you know, oh, you're not good enough. And, but and unless you're prepared to get up and do it yourself, I think you should have a bit more respect. So I, I, that interview in particular always annoys me. Not not just because Pip's passed away; it always has. I just think it's disrespectful mm-hmm. for what you know the hard work that they put in. Um, but yeah, the, as I said, I do. When you get to see them in interviews, they do just have come across as um, characters. So yeah, it's yeah. sad. But I the, the, I know this might sound a bit sentimental, but I kind of like the thought that they're now back together. Because they seem such a, a partnership, not just as a husband and wife. If you watch any interview with them or see any behind-the-scenes pictures, they're always together. Um, so I like the fact that, in my mind, they're now back together, if you see what I mean. Yeah, it's a nice uh, a nice thought to have, isn't it? Yeah. You know, they're now absolutely slating the Chibnall stuff. <laughs> yeah, well, he kind of, if you watch that interview with him, he kind of deserves it. He's so pompous <laughs> in that interview. Yeah. 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 yeah, and time in the Rani's actually. Um, I don't actually mind time in the Rani. I, I I get why people don't like it, but I've always loved it. I just think it's so much blimmin' fun. It's yeah. ridiculous. Yeah, giant brain, KMR. <laughs> it's wonderful. I love. I've always loved it. Yeah, it's got a great <laughs> soundtrack as well. Yeah, as yeah, real eighties soundtrack. Uh, so yeah, so we say goodbye to um to to Pip, uh, ninety one, I believe. Yeah, indeed. Right, that's going to do for news. Who fans? We have no merch this week, as we said. So we're gonna we're gonna crack right on with our review, which is Buddy. So yeah, uh, Sarah Jane Adventures. This one's called Mona Lisa's Revenge. Prepare to meet Mona Lisa. Security! 
The Mona Lisa has been stolen! My infrared analysis confirms the brushstroke patterns of Leonardo da Vinci. Whatever we're dealing with, it's more than just an art thing. Oh, you better believe it! <laughs> oh, it will be a rage of flames at our feet. Mona Lisa. Mm. The Revenge, although Mona Lisa's, re- I was going to say The Revenge of Mona Lisa, that's a lot more dramatic, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Mona Lisa's Revenge, it was broadcast on the 12th and 13th of November 2009. So all the Sarah Jane adventures are two-parters, and they were both 25 minutes long. As always, it was written by Phil Ford, directed by Joss Agnew. Stars the usual Attic crew at this point of Luke, Clyde and Rani. And Sarah Jane, bit of a Sarah Jane light story, this one. It is, isn't it? Yeah, especially part two. Yeah. Yeah, a little bit. And uh, yeah, the usual out of crew and a half a dozen uh, supporting cast members, some of them pretty big names in this one. And the story is there are strange forces that conveniently bring the Mona Lisa to the art gallery in London. We're assuming it's the, the Tate maybe i'm not sure it just says mm. the london art gallery i don't know what that is uh but the the kids from the school that they all go to which the name escapes me now no, i can't remember either yep um <laughs> they end up going to see <laughs> the opening exhibition of the mona lisa because luke unbeknownst to clyde enters one of his art uh, drawings paintings into a competition he wins first prize they end up going to the art gallery and when they get there, that's when strange things happen. So we find out that the painting of Mona Lisa actually comes to life. She imprisons one of the assistants, goes on the rampage. And she, I think her plan is to unleash. The only thing we know is her brother, which was a painting that was done around the same time, but by a different artist. But apparently the painting was so horrific to look at that when people look at it, they lost their minds and went mad. It was called the abomination. And she wants to unleash that and, set the world on fire basically uh and it's down to not so much sarah jane this one but like i said the the attic guys the crew to uh to do that so this one bud what are your feelings on this one uh this one yeah like you said bit sarah jane light um so the attic crew kind of carry this episode um i found it very enjoyable um, I probably liked part one better than part two. It slightly fizzled out in the second part for me. Um, but it was, again, it was, I, I was sat there just thinking the idea behind it of this painting coming to life and then trapping people in the paintings. Um, I feel like it's been done sort of before, but I really like that idea. Um, and it really worked in this. I mean, when Sarah Jane gets trapped in the painting at the cliffhanger to part one, I thought it was brilliant. Um, so, uh, overall, again, another good episode. It's not going to be one of my one of the stronger ones, in my opinion. I think they're a better episode to Sarah Jane, but it's it's definitely got its own character. This one, it's um, it's, a, it's slightly different to the rest, and I, I, I thought it worked on every level as well. So I did overall really enjoy it. The only thing that let it down for me slightly, um, surprisingly was uh, Saran Jones as Mona Lisa. I just thought she was a bit over-the-top pantomime. I mean, even in that trailer you just played, her sort of pantomime baddie laugh was rubbish. She just, (laughs) I don't know, I felt felt like she wasn't taking it 
seriously because the, the rest of the cast seem to be sort of hitting their stride in this um even the chap who's playing like the curator that guy um you know he even he seems to be taking it quite seriously she just felt a little bit pantomime villain to me and i felt it let the side down a little i think the episode would have been brought up if she'd been a bit stronger um which is surprising because saran jones is a big name she's well known and when i saw she was in it i thought oh she'll be great but she just was she just didn't hit the mark for me um so apart from that um i did think it was another another great episode of, of sarah jane i did really enjoy it okay cool what cool, do you think cool. yeah uh, i'm on the same lines as you i think mate yeah i think uh, it's another enjoyable story yes it, it was a good yeah. watch but i felt that part two was Two, two things for me. I thought part two dragged on a little bit. Mm-hmm. We seem to have a lot of running around um, those guys looking for them. And now the, the build-up was quite good when you heard, when you heard the big whatever it was in the painting that had come to life at this point. You heard mm-hmm. that big growl and everything through the through the building. It was all good. And that, that whole build-up was great. And I really liked the climax where Luke had very cleverly uh, asked Clyde to draw the puzzle box that was going to open the thing, uh, and as a as a result of that, he he, he had a drawing of K nine in the sketchbook as well, and he knew that that would come to life because all of the whatever energy or power the Mona Lisa was using, it was making things come to life. He knew that K nine would come to life, and it's a nice little moment really where K nine comes back and saves the day and yeah and stuff. So I I liked that bit, but I did feel like it. It didn't hold as much tension, although the build-up was good, and you can—I didn't see it coming. By the way, I didn't I had no idea that that was going to be the way that they were going to defeat it. Was K nine to come out of the sketchbook? That was a cool little surprise. Yeah. Um. So the build-up was quite good, but I just felt like it flattened out a little bit in terms of um pacing throughout that episode. It, like you said, it kind of fizzled a little bit as we went through it. So, so I'm of the same opinion. Part one was definitely stronger um for me and but the thing is though that although this kind of thing has been done before probably the best example would be ghostbusters 2 with the whole vigo you know in the, this dude that lives in a painting essentially and yeah at some point breaks out of the paint and all that stuff it, it's kind of cool it's been done before but what's great about sarah jane and probably doctor who in general is that their own little spin on it just seems to have a bit of, I think because the performances are very good, it just seems to hold a bit of credibility in terms of, because sci-fi is very much like that, isn't it? Mm. Every, as a genre, there's been so much borrowing and pilfering of other people's stories and elements and concepts that lots of sci-fi has been used. Uh, sorry, the same ideas and concepts have been used across lots of different things. But with Doctor Who and Sarah Jane as an offshoot, like I said, it does feel a little bit like, I don't know, like your mind sort of switches that bit off. It's like, yeah, I've seen this concept before, but I don't mind. Yeah. If that makes sense. It, my mind just sort of puts that away. It's like, yeah, it's been done before, but I'm just really enjoying this this program. So it's all good. It was it was well done, I thought. I mean, I, when, when Mona Lisa actually came alive in the painting, as I said earlier about the effects and stuff, it... Um, it looked quite good, I thought, and I loved it when they put the other woman into the painting. I uh, again, this is where they get a great balance of um, sort of 
you know, I, I found myself laughing quite a lot at some of the, the humour in this. So it's, that's what I mean. They get a really good balance between being a sort of family show that appeals to everyone. Like, you know, like that, that pompous woman getting trapped in the painting and just looking so awful and all that sort of stuff. Um, and also Clyde, you know, we've said sometimes he gets written to be a bit of a buffoon. I've noticed when we get a story written by Phil Ford, he generally writes Clyde well. Mm-hmm. And Clyde's written very well in this. He's got some great one line, cheeky one liners that he does always have, but they are funny. They're not just making him look like an idiot. Whereas sometimes the writers do write Clyde like that, don't they? They write him as a bit of a, a you know, cheeky but just stupid. But yeah, I always think Phil Ford writes Clyde very well and he does so in this episode. Yes. But yeah, I just thought it looked good as well. As I said, I thought the humour was good. Um, the production as well, very good. Direction was good. Josh Agnew, that's a name that I recognise. Um, but yeah, I think the Attic crew really hold this together as well. They are working so well as a team, these guys. I, I don't know, but I would. they feel like they get on really well. Um, I'm assuming that they got on well you know, off camera because there is great chemistry between these guys. Like you really feel like they're real people, like real characters. You do, yeah. And I think that's that's part and part. Like the script is very cool for this one. Mm. So even though the story elements themselves sometimes, it, like we said in part two, it might flatten out a little bit. It does, yeah. The actual script, though, the the dialogue between the characters is very, very good, and that's um, and there's a bit of realness as well to Sarah Jane. Like some of the some kids shows that went out at that time and probably they still do today. They sometimes paint a bit of a, uh, a perfect picture of life, if that makes sense. Sometimes with kids shows, you know, everything's always, you know, perfect and great and brilliant mm. all the time and a bit like a Lego movie. <laughs> Whereas in this one, you do have Russell did introduce a little bit of maturity in the script in that they don't always get along all the time. Mm. And that's evident in this one where, Luke and Sarah Jane have a big bust up. So she's, he comes in from school and he's got great news. He's in a happy, great mood. And she's not in a good mood because she's in his bedroom and it's an absolute, as you'd expect, a teenage boy's bedroom is a bit of a pigsty and she's not happy. So she's got the hump because his room's untidy and he hasn't kept it. And he's got the hump now because his mood's been spoiled. And on top of that, he has this kind of real there's one line that really cuts deep. It looks like, so she's like, I just, you know, this is unacceptable. And like, you're not going anywhere tomorrow, you know, plans are canceled tomorrow until you sort this out. And he comes back with something like, this is ridiculous. You want me to be a normal boy, but at the same time, you want me to be perfect. Just like the Bane created me. Yeah. You know, and she turns around and her face just drops immediately. And she, you can tell it's like an instant regret, you know? Mm. So there's those little mature bits in the script where, you know, not everybody's happy and smiling and brilliant and perfect all the time. There are these levels of, you know, sometimes things happen. That's just life in general. And I think that that's, what's cool about like the, the triangle I'm trying to describe this very, uh, succinctly on a podcast here but with the triangle of doctor who sarah jane and torchwood you've got these three points or these three levels of script writing which is really evident if you take a step back and you look at all three programs you can see that right smack bang in the middle you have doctor who and that has got a very good balance of being marketed pretty much 50 50 towards adults and children Mm. and the scripts they do 
have darkness to them at times and they do have you know uh, sort of more comic or light-hearted scripts at times but there's a very good balance there and then if you go to the left you've got sarah jane which is very light-hearted and very very much aimed at a younger audience but there is a little bit of maturity there and then you go to the other end of the scale which is torchwood which is very adult you know lots of swearing and sex and all that stuff and you can really see that russell's big picture when you take a, a step back and you look at the whole thing of Doctor Who in, in his era, it, he's such just a brilliant mind. If you were to think like the executives at BBC were like, Russell, we're after another Doctor Who spin-off um, or after a spin-off. You know, have you got any ideas? You can imagine that he's back at home in his office and just this mass of notes and sketches and stuff. And he's like, right, Doctor Who's here with all these characters I've got Torchwood bubbling away in the back of my mind here. Yeah. Now let's get Sarah Jane rocking. And you can just see just this lovely big universe. And I, do you know what? I think now that I've just said that, I think that's what part of the problem was with class. Mm. Why we didn't connect with class and we just couldn't get behind it because it just felt like this kind of thing that was just hanging off the edge of the world of Doctor Who and just didn't relate to anything uh, uh, on a personal level it, it, it threw a couple of names around here and there hmm. and we had a cameo in the first episode but it just didn't feel like it was part of the interconnected world of doctor who whereas if you have just one person a great brilliant mastermind like russell t davis who looks at everything as a big picture and like how do we not just do this in terms of how do we cross over stories which they hardly ever did but how do we look at this as a piece of television across three different shows which is just so brilliant and then when you look at class it's like oh, just this little black swan that's just sort of dragging <laughs> its legs behind you know these three yeah so i went a bit of a tangent there but there's there's a level of maturity in the sarah jane uh, scripts which really makes them all of them just great television to watch if you take away the concepts that we've mentioned that's been done before it's still a great bit of television to mm. watch no, I like the way you put that. I, I absolutely agree. And it, I think I, I like the fact that Luke's getting a little bit of progression as well because he, we've we've said this before as we've gone through the series, he's sort of the one that, he's, he's a very interesting character because he's this creation of the Bane, but they don't explore it very much. And quite often sort of Clyde sort of outshines him a bit because he's funny and silly, you know. Um, and the Ran is a very strong character. So sort of Luke sometimes gets left in the background, even though he's this really interesting character. So it was nice to, for him to have this sort of, um, he started to sort, you can see that he started to be influenced by, you know, Clyde and Rani, and he is becoming more sort of human, if you like, and he's becoming more like a everyday teenage boy and being messy and stuff. So then for Sarah Jane to have a go at him for actually becoming that, it, he does, doesn't he? he? Just throws it back in the face. He's like, "Well, I'm not, you know, I was created by the bane. So which do you want me to be? Do you want me to be normal and and integrate, or do you want me to be this perfection creation?" And of course, it, yeah. But I thought that was a really interesting sort of thing to pick up on, and and it feels very natural as well because he would, wouldn't he? Like any person, like when you're at school, you start hanging around people, you pick up their traits, you start to change your yourself without even knowing it and you become a different person as you go through life so i thought it's really good that they've started to explore that with luke and he's definitely sort of changing not for the better or worse he's just becoming 
you know, he's becoming a teenager or whatever and, and progressing through life as they would. So that, again, helps the relationship, doesn't it, um, that we see on screen between him and Clyde and Rani. They've become a sort of sort of little unit, if you like, that I think we can all relate to because when we're at school, we all gravitate to our little mates and stuff, <laughs> and that's exactly what you're seeing on screen here. So, again, it's Russell just making everything so relatable, isn't it? Absolutely, mate, yeah, and it's... Yeah. Um... It's it. You're absolutely right. You're bang on there with. It's great that they've got Luke's progression as it his own character. It. Yeah, because yeah, it, it's very different to someone like Clyde, who's already because of the what he's been through in his life, and we, they explore that a little bit in the previous series, I think, mm-hmm. where the things that he's gone through with his dad and so on. That's and right. That's, yeah. And it's built up this kind of wall of. It's it's built up this wall around him of he uses humor a lot as as a as a thing as as a, his persona I suppose his character, but that's he, he's already gone through all of that stuff and now he's coming into his sort of later teens and so on. Clyde is already Clyde, you know mm. he's already that person. The same with Rani to a degree. So it's great that they haven't just done that early on. With, they could have done that early on with Luke. They could have just said right now he's with Sarah Jane. He's a normal boy. Let's just crack on. But they haven't. They've mm. they've got this continuous kind of learning process that he's going through to becoming a it's like a Pinocchio story, I suppose, to becoming a normal boy. I'm a real boy. <laughs> yeah, um, a little bit. Yeah, yeah. So it's it is great that they've paid attention to that because there are stories where he gets left behind a little bit because yeah, because um, because Daniel Anthony is such a, a strong performer as Clyde and um. And uh, Angeli has her moments as well. She's quite a strong female character. When you have two strong characters and you're acting beside them, he does sometimes get left behind a little bit. And also in previous stories, he is a bit of a whiner, a bit of a complainer and a bit of wet He's a blanket. bit wet, isn't he? Yeah. Sometimes a bit of a wet lettuce sometimes. But I mean, that's <laughs> not to say I don't like a uh, character of Luke because I really do. But yeah, you're right. Sort of um, Clyde's quite often up for getting stuck in there but you do see you do see another side of Clyde in this one as well because you get to see like you just said it's all a bit of a front with him all the sort of bravado and the sort of laddishness that he portrays and then you see that he wouldn't have put that painting in himself because he doesn't believe he's that good so you see that actually he's underneath it all he's not really that confident so it's Luke that actually says you are man look I've put your painting you've won and he's there's a moment where Clyde's just stood staring at the paintings and he's like full of pride and he's like oh, i wouldn't have i can't believe it that my pictures in here i wouldn't have I never have thought and so there is that again another side to his character where the sort of the bravado and act drops for a second and you just see that actually he's not that confident but then you know then he sort of comes back with a quippy line and he's back to being clyde because you <laughs> know he's he's got to be that person so again it's another fully sort of formed character that you can see different levels to um so it's nice to see luke getting a bit of that as well rather than just being this sort of create alien creation you mm-hmm. know um yeah. but yeah i i think they get a really good balance you know because i love the fact they don't dwell on that i love the fact that they're not always banging on about luke being different <laughs> it's just because so you, you almost forget don't you he, he sort of blends in but every now and again they'll throw something in like that bane line yeah just to yeah. remind you that he's actually not human or whatever um, but you do feel sorry for Sarah Jane, don't you? She's like, cause, and that's another thing. I think we've all done this and we, we've all, there's all, there's become a point where you've sort of got to cut a few apron strings from your mum 
<laughs> and it's hard on both sides, isn't it? Because your mum doesn't want to let you go, but she knows she's got you, and you just sort of want to break away and do your thing, but you, you don't want to upset yeah. your mum. And so again, another great little moment there. And but yeah, you feel with it from both sides, I think. And when she's in the attic, and she's on her own, and she's sort of been a bit sort of pushed to one side by Luke, and she sort of thinks, "Oh, I've got to let him get on with it." There's that lovely scene between her and Mr. Smith where he's like, he's sort of picked up on it, isn't he? even though he's a computer, and he's like trying to sort of goad her with this new story. And she's like, no, oh, it's not. She really wants to get involved, but it's like, it's not alien. So she's like, oh, oh I, I, I probably shouldn't bother reading it then. And he's like, well, there is a little twist. I'll go on then. What is it? And she's, <laughs> she just can't wait. And I, I just thought it was a lovely scene. Yeah. Just because just, yeah. you can see that she's dying to investigate it really. She wants an excuse to sort of get involved. Um, but yeah, I wasn't expecting it to be quite so Sarah Jane Light. I must admit, she's hardly in episode two because she gets trapped in the painting, doesn't she? But mm. they do that a lot there, don't they? They have like Dr. Light episodes and I guess it's to give the actors a break during a quite a grueling filming schedule, I assume. But um, but they do that with Doctor Who, don't they? They had like Dr. Light episodes like Blink. Yeah, um, Love of Monsters, uh, yeah. Love of Monsters, yeah, so they sort of do that. But it didn't, I mean, I wasn't sat there thinking, oh, come on, where's Sarah Jane? I wasn't sort of missing her in that sense because I think the cast are strong enough to carry it without her. But it's always lovely when she appears again, like at the end, it's always, she just lights up the blimmin' screen, doesn't she? She so, does, yeah. Yeah, I so think... I wasn't sat there thinking, oh, well, this is boring, where's Sarah Jane? But I did love it when she appeared again yeah, at yeah. the end. Well, I think... More so, it's a real good opportunity to move your characters along. And maybe this is part of the problem with some of the companion stuff in the Chibnall era, mm. is that every single episode, they're all there together all the time throughout every episode. And we've said it many a time as we, when we went through our reviews for both series 11 and 12, that it just feels like there's no room for certain characters to do their thing, which is why we have so many scenes where you have at least one, usually two companions who are just stood in the background with their hands in their pockets, mm. just watching what's going on while the doctor is doing something with one of the companions. And I think they try to do something with that in series 12, where you had them split up a little bit more where they went off and did their own thing. But back in the, this is going to be, uh, there are two things we need like a little bell, don't we? Like every time we say, you should watch the Sarah Jane Adventures. We need a little mm. bell that goes off because we keep Ding. banging on about it. But yeah, um, that's what I mentioned earlier. On the surface, it just looks like a kid's show about aliens from Doctor Who. Sarah Jane running around and that sort of thing. But as Adam has just gone through and said, like, there's these kind of vulnerabilities to the characters that are very real and makes mm. them make them very relatable. And the only way that you can dive into those properly sometimes is to have them have decent screen time. So you can't always have them trailing behind Sarah Jane and then you try and try and squeeze in as much character development as you can. Sometimes you've just got to let them have their moments, I suppose. And they did that with the with Doctor Who as well with some of those light episodes we mentioned. Mm. And and I think maybe they should have done that with with um with Jodie's era maybe they should have just had a bugger off for a, at least half an episode and just let those guys do their thing like it would have been great for Yaz to have done that a bit more because we in series 11 it was all about Ryan wasn't it and Graham to a degree 
Yeah. And yeah. in the last one, it was more about Yaz's development. But it would have been lovely to have a Yaz episode, really, where the other guys, are, for whatever reason, are trapped somewhere. I don't know. Yeah, because you felt like they were going somewhere with Yaz and it it sort of almost got there, but never really sort of took off. You kept thinking, oh, there's a bit of progression there, but oh. Exactly. Never never really took it to the the level. Yeah. Whereas in something like this, it's still completely watchable. You're not sitting there thinking, oh, this is rubbish because Sarah Jane's not in it. Mm. She's in it, but you know, we're not sitting there thinking, oh, this is a terrible episode just because Liz Sladen's not in it and hasn't got enough to do. It's, It's... and it's a real benefit to that because as you move forward through the series and these little things happen, you think, ah, oh, this is a result of what happened back in that episode. And they kind of have like a little moment like that towards the end of this one where once they have their little hero moment and they've saved the day. Um, Luke and Sarah, they have like a nice hug and stuff and they and she says something and Luke says something like, yeah, and I'm messy and everything. And they just put that behind them then. They have like a little laugh about it. And I think that's what relationships are like, isn't it? Just whether it's parental relationships or with your your partner or whatever. Sometimes you do have those moments where you're like, oh, you're driving me nuts. And then you have like <laughs> a little ruck. But then an hour or 24 hours later, you have like a little laugh about it sometimes. And mm. you have a little joke and stuff. So in terms of character like character stuff and this being a Sarah Light episode i think it was really needed just to have because a lot of this a lot of this one is based on Luke's insistence that they don't involve Sarah Jane because they That's had right. that ruck yeah. as i think there's a, a two or three times where Ron is like look just get on the phone call Sarah Jane and he's like no no we don't need her we don't need we don't need mum you know we've got this covered and but then the the kind of teachings i suppose and the good stuff that sarah jane's implanted in luke as a human as soon as they see her car outside they're like oh crap she's already here she's already here yeah and then they find out that something's happened to her she's been trapped in a painting that all gets flipped on its head and then his main priority is sort of, you know is saving his mum mm. so we could go on for hours mate about the the character writing and the progression and just the solid subtle levels of maturity that run through it are just so good so good and you almost you almost think you know if you're sort of not used to the characters you you probably think oh and i bet i bet sarah jane's going to come in at the end and save it all no they do it themselves they do do it themselves that's the thing it's um you know like you said you sarah jane has taught that taught luke to sort of look after himself and these guys can look after themselves to an extent they've still got that vulnerability of being kids but you know, um, they do save the day. Although, well, I suppose technically K9 saves the day, but <laughs> it's all thanks to Luke's, you yeah. know, um, cleverness, isn't it, of, of bringing K9 into the room uh, via the painting. Great idea, that, as well. I Because I, I didn't see that coming at all. Mm-hmm. No, me um, either, and, yeah. yet, and yet, you know, we see the picture of K9 earlier, so I guess it's, when you look back, oh, I could, yeah, it's kind of obvious, but I didn't see that coming. I, when he appeared, I was like, what? A K9, of course. Um so that worked really well, and they saved themselves pretty much, and then and they saved Sarah Jane, and it's just so it's not that sort of predictability of, you know, a bit like you said, Capaldi at the end of that class episode. Here he comes, Walsh is in, saves today, buggers off. You know, it's like, it, 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 you know, they stand on their own two feet. These characters, you know, and you you sort of have faith in them as characters that they're yeah. going to survive. 
Yeah, the other bit of realness as well, which I liked, is the character of Lionel Harding, who's the curator of the gallery. Oh, him, yeah. Yeah, he's got an assistant called um, Phil, uh, Phyllis Trupp. Phyllis Trupp, yeah. And she's obviously got a bit of a thing for him, you know, because she's she sort of gazes into his eyes when he's talking and uh, yeah. you can tell she's got a bit of a thing for him. And it's great at the end where... Um, because it, it seems like the whole time they've worked together, he's just brushed her off. He's like, "Yep, yeah, you're just my assistant." You know, there's nothing, there's nothing there at all. You know, forget about it. And at the end, when he realizes, "Oh no, uh, Miss Trump, she's she's stuck in the painting still," and he goes to see her because he's finally clicked, hasn't he? Because throughout this whole process, he's had a bit of a a bit of a um, uh, emotional upgrade, I suppose. With everything that is that's happened, he's kind of realized that. Okay, you know, I worshipped this Mona Lisa character for so many years, his whole life, it seems. And she turned out to be a bit of a dick. So, <laughs> you know, there's this one person, oh, yeah, I'll go and save her. And then when he gets to her, he's like, oh, <laughs> he basically, I think in a nutshell, what he's basically trying to say is, I've ignored you for 10 years, but now I like you. So, yeah. you know, and then she's having none of it. It's great. She's like, oh, yeah, you've been over this one all this time. And now she's dumped you like a, she dropped you sort of thing you come to me and she just yeah she storms off and she has a bit of a uh one of those sort of strong female moments that's the thing you yeah. think they're going to get together don't you like oh he's finally realized she's been all over him up until this point until she got trapped in the paint so clearly they're just going to get together happily ever after but no she's like he's all up for it and she's like i I've seen you fawning all over Mona Lisa. You know, I don't think I didn't hear all that. And she's having none of it. So again, yeah. It's a, and again, it brought a big smile to her face because it's just like, yeah, thinking you're just going to waltz up and everything will be all right after ignoring her like that. And yeah, so again, it was just a nice, funny moment that, you know, appeals to all ages, I think. Yes. That, that yeah. sort of humor. It's like, yeah, he, he's good though, that guy. The curator guy i've i've seen him in Jeff he's Rall. one of those yeah. faces isn't he? he pops up in a lot of stuff that guy oh crikey he's been so many things jeff rule he's jeff rule so many things yeah it's funny because it's not a name that you don't sort of think oh yeah jeff Rule. it's not a name that springs to mind but when you see him like um, if you look at you know when you see him in this he's just instantly recognizable he's popped up in loads of stuff over the years mm -hmm. um he was in doctor he was in frontios oh yes of course he is, yeah. That's right. Um Yeah, he plays he, uh Plantagenet. Yeah. yeah. And he was in Adventure in Space and Time, I think. Uh, I can't remember who he played. I'm sure he was in that. Uh he could have been. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure he is. I can't remember who yeah. he is in it, but he does pop up in it. I think he's only a really small part, but but he was good as the curator, wasn't he? He really suited that role and I felt like he was taking it seriously. I, I felt like he his performance while being a character. So there was sort of a bit of comedy in his performance at times, but I felt like he wasn't over the top. I, I did sort of buy into his performance and I, I felt like he was really sort of, um, 
enjoying the part. Like he just, he, he'd got totally got, you know, he was the, the character he was playing, like the curator, absolutely in love with paintings, particularly the Mona Lisa. And yeah, so I thought he was really good casting. I, I, I really liked him. He's got the bow tie as well. That must be a curator <laughs> thing <laughs> that you have to have a bow tie. But yeah, I really did think he was good. Uh, Jeff Rawl in this. I like, I liked his character. Yeah, he's cool. I thought he was going to yeah. die. I must admit. I, I he did. Because yeah. they sort of made him, he was a bit flawed. Like you said earlier, he's a bit of a flawed character, but he was sort of likable in his own way. And I thought there was a point towards part two, I think when he smashed the puzzle box, I thought, oh, well, now he's a goner. <laughs> <laughs> but he did survive to the end to get blown out by uh, Miss Trupp. So that, Trump. I'm, I'm kind of glad he didn't die. Again, it would have been a bit predictable. Yeah. What do you think to the Sontar and Blaster making an appearance as well? Again, just a real nice little, little nod. To, you yeah. know, to the yeah, it didn't need to be a Santaran blaster, but it again, just a little thing in there to nice little thing in there. Yeah, that was cool actually. Yeah, uh, because they kind of joked about it at first, didn't they? So when they were in art class, I think they were joking about it, and I think Clive's like, "Look, don't tell Sarah Jane, or you know, don't mention yeah. anything about Santarans because she'll kill me," sort of thing. And then it ends up playing a significant part in the story because mm. the Mona Lisa character gets it and. You know, and I think Sarah Jane really rolls her eyes as well when she get, when she arrives at the gallery and she finds out that it's a Santaran blaster because she she encounters the Mona Lisa character early on, doesn't she? When she arrives, yeah, before she gets trapped in a painting, and she's like, "Is that a Santaran whatever blaster?" Uh, and then she finds out that Clyde painted it, and she goes, "Oh crikey!" And then at the end, she's like, "You and I are going to have a chat about Santaran blasters or something," and he's That's like, right. "Oh no, I'm in trouble." Yeah. There was quite a few lines in this, just little quirky lines that, that made me sort of genuinely laugh, if you know what I mean. There was quite a few that really sort of just hit the spot. I thought, it's, again, it just really helps to carry the story along, if you know what I mean. These sort of little moments between the cast like that. Um, but yeah, I, I, must admit, I was hoping, that's what I was going to say, I was hoping that there might be a little reference to, I thought Mona Lisa could have come out of a line like, this is, you know, this is a th- a fake or something mm-hmm. to tie into City of Death. I was waiting for something like that. City of Death, but, yeah. yeah. Yeah, but we didn't get any of that. But what I was going to say is the one thing that wasn't explored, and again, I thought I thought this was going to go somewhere. I thought this is how she's going to get defeated. Mona Lisa I'm talking about. So there's the bit where she goes, ah, oh, the beautiful outdoors, as she puts her hand out and starts to turn back to a painting or something. Like she sort of, her yeah. hand starts to crack. And she's like, oh, no, I can't go out. So I kind of, I thought that was going to go somewhere and it, it didn't really. I mean, I assume that's how she's going to get defeated or something, but. Yeah, I thought they were going to push her outside. Yeah, so like, again, yeah. I suppose it's good in a way because it, it would have been very predictable. But um, yeah, that didn't really get picked up on, did it? I, I, I was sort of intrigued by that because if she was going to take over the world, she wouldn't be able to go, she wouldn't be able to go out in it anyway. <laughs> I don't think. Yeah, I thought that was a cool moment as well because mm. she's obviously an evil character. She's the baddie of the story. But yeah. that bit where they're walking past the windows and doors and she she has this moment where she just, she's very vulnerable at that point. She's mm. like, oh, the outdoors, she probably hasn't seen it in a hundred years. But yeah, like you, I thought, oh, they're going to go somewhere with this. They're going to drag her outside or something and watch her turn to back into a painting or to stone, whatever. But it was only a fleeting little moment. But Yeah, it's a good moment, yeah, but it, cool. it didn't, didn't sort of go anywhere. Do you, so do you agree with me about, what, what do you think about Saran Jones' performance then? Yeah, um, I, did, I thought she'd be a lot better. Yeah, I did. I did find her a little bit OTT in most of yeah. the scenes that she was in. 
she maybe that was down to the direction because which is potentially a shame because the direction is great for the most part it is um but i think maybe they just said to her look we want because it is a bit of a strange one because you do in your head before you see the her come out of the painting you imagine the character of mona lisa to be this very sophisticated refined quiet kind of character as the painting sort of you know that's what you see when you look at the painting mm. and she just the first thing is she's got this like north like yorkshire accent which is very bizarre yeah uh, it's almost start. the exaggerated yorkshire accent as well isn't it yeah so you wonder where that's come from for a start. But then she has this very kind of pantomime um, uh, sort of OTT one. It, uh, uh, I can't explain it really because it's not a load of one-liners because she doesn't, she does have conversations with people. It just feels like it's very like one after the other. It's a bit of a Clyde character where a lot of her lines are very funny and she's trying to be funny. There's only a couple of small little moments where, she gets like really angry and intense and that's it really. The rest of the time she's just sort of laughing her head off and rolling her eyes and her, her evil laughs a bit crap, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> it's a sort of real, I don't know. You've either got an evil laugh or you haven't. And she hasn't. She hasn't. So it probably would have been better because she does it a few times as well. And it feels very forced. It just doesn't, <laughs> I don't know. She, I just don't feel she quite got the characterization right. I can, I can absolutely see what she was going for, the sort of sassy, um, quippy, villainess baddie, but she just didn't quite nail it um, for yeah. me. I, it's a shame because I, I, it was almost like she was 80%. You can sort of feel it that she's... You totally can see what she's trying to do with the character, but she's just not getting it right. Um, and it did it did let the episode down because I kept thinking, God, if she was hitting if she, if she was hitting her mark... This would be this would be great, but you don't yeah. really feel any threat from her. I think also the accent, like you said, just the way she delivers the lines just doesn't really work. Yeah, maybe that's one of those things where you have to concede a little bit of okay, this is a this is a, a children's show after all. Mm. Well, I felt that's how I thought she was playing it. I think yeah. she's come into it thinking this is a kids show, so I've yeah. got to be a bit silly. Uh, whereas take Jeff Rule, who's thinking. He's totally understood his character, but he's playing it quite straight, even though he's delivering some quite funny lines. Mm-hmm. I felt like she was just sort of sending it up a bit too much, thinking, oh, it's just a kid's show, so I need to be a bit, I'm the baddie. Whoa, ah, ah. And it was just like, well, no, you're not really. Yeah. And I'm making it sound like she's a lot worse than she was. She's not dreadful by any means. No. She's still very watchable. And there is one great moment when she grabs um, the curator by the throat, when she really turns. So I think if we'd have seen a bit more of that, because that's good. She suddenly becomes quite serious then, and she does feel quite threatening. But apart from that, most of the time, I just felt she was a bit weak in her performance, really. Yeah, no, I read you, mate. It's, um, mm. Yeah, I, I was going to say that I'd love to see a bit of a more of a darker tone to her character. Yeah. But then having said that, you know, it is for kids mainly. True. So you True. can't really go too dark with these things. It has, you have to have an element yeah. of... Uh, of fun I suppose even for the bad guys but like I said she wasn't awful she's perfectly okay in it just yeah. I just felt like she could have considering she's such a well-known actress I just thought she would be better than than she is <laughs> in it I don't don't feel like she's taking it seriously enough to be honest no no region I didn't realize the um highway man was a guy I thought it was I don't know why I thought it was a woman 
It's Paul Casey behind the high man mask. I thought, I don't know why I thought that was a woman. It looks like a woman. I thought it was a woman. And according to, well, yeah, according to this, it was Paul Casey. Yeah, he plays a lot of monsters and stuff, doesn't he? Yeah. I mean, you only really see the eyes, so <laughs> I guess. Because he doesn't speak. He's got no mouth, as he say, which um, Clyde points out. But yeah, yeah. no, I'm just surprised to see, because he has appeared in Doctor Who's loads of different monsters and stuff. But yeah, didn't realise that was him. No, I didn't. I thought it was a woman. Takes care of his skin, clearly. Yeah, clearly, yeah. <laughs> uh, what did you? Were you disappointed we didn't see? So when they finally get to the Abomination painting, which is a great, I love that. What a great name, the Abomination. You only really see its big claw. Are you waiting for it to come out, and you don't actually see it? Do you think that probably a budget thing? Do you think it's good though or bad thing? Because the it's claw good. CGI looks fairly decent for two thousand nine, doesn't it? You see this big claw. Mm-hmm. Doesn't look yeah. too bad, but yeah, that's all you see. Yeah, I quite like that that we don't yeah, see I the did rest as well. of it. I th- I'd rather have that than a really bad. Exactly. CG- yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. doing the claw on the hand is one thing, mm-hmm. but to try and do a full-on CG monster, that would have pushed it into the realms of oh no. <laughs> I think it might have done actually. Yeah. It actually might have detracted from the episode rather than add to it. Yeah. yeah. The theatre of the mind, sometimes mm. better than the eyes, I suppose. Yeah, uh, but no, I, I think it's um, just let your mind make up what that creature looks like. I suppose it's pretty cool. Yeah. You know. Is there anything else you want to mention, dude? No, not really. Music one? was good again. Yeah, don't know who bad, did actually. it. Don't yeah. know who did it, but um, I'm never. I'm never sure because they use different people for Sarah Jane, don't they? Sometimes Murray pops in, and sometimes it's um, oh, another chap whose name escapes me. Ben Foster, is it, or his brother? I yeah. So this but, one, uh, I don't know who did it in this one, but it's quite good. Yeah, this one was Sam and Dan Watts. They've done. Oh, a few well, there of you them. go. Yeah, different. Yeah. It's weird because it always has the same sort of feel to it. You can tell it's a different composer, but it always has the right feel. So the music's always good in Serotonin as well. Um, have I got any other notes? No, I don't think so. don't think I have. Did, I just wondered, did you feel the ending was slightly underwhelming in terms of the wrap-up, or did you think... Because that's the thing. Although I thought it was good, I loved seeing K-9. It, I think that's the thing that just slightly brought down part two for me. It sort of felt a little bit underwhelming the way she was defeated but then the thing that saved it was the comical moment at the end where uh, the curator <laughs> sort of waltzes up thinking he's the you know gonna get the girl and he doesn't so but yeah did you think the sort of defeating of the villain was slightly underwhelming uh, a little bit yeah but it was good to yeah. see k9 it was good to see oh, i was great to see k9 <laughs> come back and and kick their asses and stuff but yeah yeah i mean that's a thing i think part two it just like you said early on, it fizzles a little bit, fizzles out a wee bit. Yes, just a tad. Just a little bit. Yeah. Uh, okay, scores, dude. Scores. So I'm going to go, for, is it me first? Actually, I think it's you this week. It's you this yeah, week. Yeah, it's me. I'm going to give this a seven. Yeah, I'm the same. A seven. It was fun. <laughs> it was fun. It was the, no, It was fun. It was a good idea. Um and yeah, just an enjoyable watch, but it just didn't quite hit the mark in part two. Um, so yeah, a seven. Yeah, certainly enjoyable watch again. No complaints, really. Uh, no. As we go through Sarah Jane, it's just another good watch. But we've seen we've seen better, and I'm sure there's better to come. There was there's yeah. been stronger episodes, but yeah. as I said earlier, if you put this on now, I'd quite happily sit there and watch it again. Very enjoyable, but uh, yeah, we've just seen stronger episodes. I think. Indeedy. Yeah. Yeah. 
Right, let's get over to our listeners' thoughts and reviews on this one. We had a few audio clips in as usual. Cool. Let's do our regular reviewer from Down Under. G'day, Sammy. Hey, Gary and Adam. Sammy Satine here. So, Mona Lisa's Revenge. Saran Jones plays Mona Lisa. This is before she played Idris in Doctor Who in The Doctor's Wife. Of course, part of the recent watch-alongs. I like this story. Don't have much else to say about it, really. I give it seven Mona Lisa's out of ten. Take care, guys. Wash your hands. Stay at home and watch Doctor Who, which shouldn't be too hard. And uh, lots of love and hugs to all of you. Keep positive. See ya. Oh, thank you, Sammy. Cheers, Sammy. Seven. Another seven from Sammy, mm. yes. Uh, moving on, this is Mr. Matt Steele. Hello, Gary and Adam. Matt Steele here again. Hope you guys are well. Having a good week? So this week, Mona Lisa's Revenge. Yeah, the score for this episode is great. It really heightens the story. The strain on Sarah Jane and Luke's relationship as parent and child is a clever way of showing kids and adults alike that this is perfectly normal. Saran Jones brings a good dose of evil to this story, although I find her overdoing it a bit occasionally. It's great to see Luke taking charge for once, and it suits him well. It's a nice, subtle message for viewers to pick up on that no matter what your passion is, you shouldn't be ashamed of it or try to hide it, like with Clyde's paintings. A nice, fun story without the need to overanalyse things, and nice to see Luke in charge for once. I like this story. I'll give it an 8 out of 10. I hope you guys are keeping well, and I'll see you again next week. Cheers. Awesome. Cheers, Matt. An 8. That's a decent yeah. score for this one. Thank you, you very much, it. Matt. I hope you keep him well as well. Uh, you've uh, got that Lego... What is it? He's just bought a massive Lego set or something. Star Wars thing, I think. Uh, I don't know. I saw on Twitter. Well, whatever it was, it looked good. I hope you've built it. Oh, that's, <laughs> oh, that's all a great way. Just while some gonna, days while away. You, while you find that, I'm going to find out what it was. Sure. It looked amazing. And you'll love it because it was Star Wars. Let me have a look. We've got a new, a new reviewer. Audio oh, reviewer. Oh, I love yes. it. We get a new one. A new one. This is Aaron Lamb. Terribly sorry I seem to be stuck in the time vortex. I do hope your shields are up. Wouldn't want our TARDISes converging. <laughs> As for the story this week. Do you know, it reminds me of that nasty business with Skaros in City of Death. Oh, that takes me back. And my dear Sarah, I miss her so. And K-9 made an appearance. Of course, she didn't take good care of K-9 Mark III I left her. And those kids are awfully good, aren't they? Outsmarting a painting like that. Oh, but I fear I must leave you now. I've got a lot of work to do. If I had to rate this story, uh, let's call it an 8 out of 10. Goodbye, my dears. Aaron, or should we call you some other manifestation of the Doctor? <laughs> Aaron Baker. Aaron Baker, indeedy. An 8 out of 10. Another 8. From Aaron. A nice one, Aaron. Thank you very much for jumping on board. Your first audio review. Hopefully it won't be the, the last one. Thank you very much for that, dude. And lastly, this is Alex Kingdom. Hello, Gary Adam of the Big Blue Box podcast. How are you both doing? I think this is my first Sarah Jane Adventures review I've done for you guys, uh, which is weird considering I've watched the show through maybe twice. 
However, Mona Lisa's Revenge is always one of those stories that isn't one that I go always to on the set. I don't, it's not one that I pick out, but it's a nice little story. It's a lot of fun. I, as you guys have been saying on these Sarah Jane reviews, there's not really a terrible episode yet. Um, it's, it's, it's fine. The concept of the Mona Lisa is fantastic and it coming to life and wanting to bring more paintings alive and searching for it but there are some plot points here that i just don't really enjoy but it's a solid enough idea executed well enough so i'm going to give it a 7 out of 10 i just thought it was solid uh, and uh, one that if it comes on i wouldn't be against but one that i wouldn't personally pick myself all the best guys stay safe and i shall see you guys next week all the best cheers alex thank you very much buddy uh was that a seven alex gave that it was wasn't it yeah Yes. Uh, just before you move on to the comments, it was a. It wasn't Star Wars. It was a a giant Lego Hog, Hogwarts castle oh, that sweet. Matt Steele's building. Cool. <laughs> Are you a part of fan? I can't remember. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Oh well, you would like it. Yes. Uh, in fact, um, uh, the the guy that played um, so Jeff Rawl, who played Lionel Harding, uh, he was in the uh, Harry Potter. Oh, yeah. He was in the Harry Potter and uh, Goblet of Fire. He played Amos Diggory, which I think was, yes, yeah, Cedric Diggory's dad. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, he gets around that guy. I've seen him in loads yeah. of stuff. Yeah. 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 Thank you very much, guys, for sending in your audio clips. Love those. Uh, really cool part of the show. So I appreciate you taking the time to do those. Uh, we had a few over on the socials, over on Twitter. Electorald said, I found out the other day that the actress who plays the Mona Lisa played the woman in The Doctor's Wife. I felt stupid for not knowing it sooner. Laugh out loud. Do you yeah, know what? She was over the yeah. top of that as well. <laughs> uh, arguably better in that, though. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, thank you very much. Uh, John Griffiths, oh my, the Sarah Jane Adventures. I'm loving it. Liz, fantastic. The kids, great. And Saran Jones, excellent. The whole series gives you a warm, fuzzy feeling. Me and the missus and the son, big smiles on our faces. Nothing to overthink. Sit back and enjoy. Eight out of ten absolutely that's a good point john uh with sarah jane a lot of the time you don't have to sit there scratching your head going on to wiki finding out what certain characters did before <laughs> it's uh it's a lovely um change of pace from doctor who sometimes uh our writer jordan shortman certainly one of the stranger ones and one that has grown on me over the years loved the mona lisa herself i thought she was very funny and it was nice to see the kids showing what they could do uh, and sweet little canine too and oddly Certainly, but a decent episode nonetheless. Mm-hmm. Indeed, John. Caitlin Dalek, uh, 100. Uh, Phoebe Gardner says, It's okay. Some wonderful relationship moments between Sarah and Luke. The villain was a bit naff for me, but being a children's show, it works, I suppose. I like mm-hmm. how Sarah gets to get a back step somewhat and the rest of the gang get their chance to shine. A 6 out of 10. And the running Hoovian, Sarah Louise says i love an episode which changes the way you view some something iconic forever quite sarah jane light but rani luke and clyde delivered well was good to see alternate sides to the boys characters saran jones and jeff rule displayed their acting versatility as mona lisa and harders (laughs) Uh, sarah gives it an 8.5 always running sarah she's always running always running uh, over on facebook we had just a couple there uh, joseph howarth said it's a pretty good episode mona lisa was a bit hammy but not too over the top the idea of a painting coming to life and causing havoc is a unique concept like that it was luke focused episode and gave some character development 8.5 mm-hmm. and lastly charlie turner a unique concept for an episode possibly one of the best 
that Sarah Jane Avengers has to offer. I like it most likely to be a pretty strong eight, even if it is a bit silly, but it's kind of silly that I like, unlike the invisible enemy. Mm. <laughs> oh dear. Uh, thank you very much, guys. That's all your, um, <laughs> that's all your reviews and stuff next week, bud. What we got? Next week, yeah, we get a masterclass in acting from Matthew Waterhouse in the Fifth Doctor story, <laughs> Kinder. <laughs> oh, right, okay, ne- okay, a masterclass, eh? Yes, I believe he was giving giving out helpful hints on set. <laughs> Let me just write this down for next week. Adam considers Adric's performance. Oh no, it's not that. This is the oh. this is the story where Matthew Warhouse fames yeah. it. We'll talk about it next week. Anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kinder next week. There we go. Some Davis in action next week with Kinder. Yeah. Uh, I think we'll do that, bud. Four, two, six, three. Okay. Thank you, thank you, thank you so much for sticking with the show and listening to 263. It's been great to have you on board the ZARDIS for another week as we try and round up what's going on in the world of Doctor Who. We say goodbye to Pip Baker. Uh, and also remember to check out that cool little Rory um, webisode uh, little thingy. It's a very nice little two and a half minutes, especially if you're a fan of the Matt Smith and the Amy and Rory stuff. It's a great little, great little story. Uh, this Sunday don't forget it's the two-parter um, uh, with Russell T Davis and some stars that are going to come up so 7pm Sunday for the next tweet along slash watch along uh, subwave network stuff that's going to be very cool can't wait for that actually yes, indeedy. <laughs> next week for us we're going to review the fifth story the fifth Doctor story Kinder so get that watch get your classic DVDs out and all that or your Brit box fired up because we'll be asking for your reviews on that one in the meantime, head over to the website, bigblueboxpodcast.co.uk. You can listen to all of our shows over there. Plus, you can link off to the various podcast networks. So you can give us a sub. That way you won't miss a show when they land every Friday. And if you have a minute to leave us a review, if you like what we do here, like the show, we'd love you uh, for that because that helps us out loads and loads. We're on the socials too, Instagram, Twitter and Facebook. Just do a search for the Big Blue Box Podcast. You'll find us on there. We chat Doctor Who every week. So we'd love to... Uh, chat and waffle along with you on that stuff on the website there are now links to the discord server and also to our youtube channel for the live stream so head over and sub on those things and join in we've got a great community building up over on discord it's great to hang out and chat doctor who there also check out my co-hosts channel over on youtube the geeks handbag yes new vid out now a new one yeah i watched it the other day yeah yeah so it took ages to get that <laughs> video finished. It's a bit of a, it's a big one. Go and see the the fruits of Adam's labour over on over on YouTube. He's got just not just this one, but all of his videos are so cool. Just grab a cup of tea, get comfy, and uh, and watch a load of Adam's videos. Very very cool. And Adam's on the socials as well under the same name, the Geeks Handbag. Just uh, connect with Adam over there. We've got a great community, loads of Who fans, loads of chat around Doctor Who every week. So um yeah, love to have you over there. Until next week for episode 264. My name's Gary. My name's Adam. And remember. And...